0: There wasn't anything wrong with having the $3,000 for four hours. However, I felt like, and this may sound strange or weird and, and whatever, but I didn't want to attach it to hours because again, in the ops industry, it's all about the hours. How many hours am I gonna get from my VA? How many hours am I gonna get from OBM? And if I was so concerned about it, then I knew I wouldn't be able to be as present during the VIP weekends as I wanted to.
1: It was the summer of 2017. I was on a bonus day of vacation with Sean and Lola because our original flight had gotten canceled. We were on the way to Sean's grandmother's lake house, and I thought I'd check in on my email quick since I'd be coming back to work a day later than planned. Staring at me from the top of a stack of unopened emails was an email informing me that soon 30% of our membership revenue was going to flow toward Apple instead of our bank account. My stomach sank. The still-new community wasn't even breaking even yet, and we were going to have to give up 30% of our revenue to the world's richest company? I panicked. Luckily, even in my panic, I read through the email a few more times to check the unbelievable details. It turned out that Apple was going to take 30%, but only for memberships that originated in our app, which was next to zero. Okay, crisis averted, but in the time between my panic and realizing what was really going on, I had already started to concoct a plan. You're listening to What Works, the show that brings you candid conversations with small business owners who share exactly what's working to run and grow their businesses. I'm your host, Tara McMullen. My plan was simple we needed a serious influx of new members to offset the potential hit to our revenue. So get this, I decided to drastically reduce the price of membership from $60 per month to just 15. Yes, that's right. When faced with the potential loss of 30% of our revenue, I made a decision to lower our prices. Now hear me out. I thought that by lowering the price to something more akin to a piece of software you subscribe to, I could build our customer base by hundreds, if not thousands, while maintaining our current expenses. This did not happen. Instead, new members joined at about the same rate, but with 75% less revenue coming our way. Now, it didn't take long to realize that this was not going to work the numbers just did not add up. Without an onslaught of new members at this lower rate, we were never going to be able to cover costs. I'd made a big pricing mistake and something had to change. Of course, it wasn't just a matter of covering expenses. That's an important part of pricing and one we'll get into the nitty gritty of in this episode. But price tells a story While I was trying to tell a story about our community being as invaluable as one of the software tools you run your business with, the story we ended up telling was just, this is cheap. By raising the price, we could better reflect what we actually offer. And that's another piece of the story we're covering in today's episode. So meet Jordan Gill. Jordan runs a business operations firm and is the founder of Systems Saved Me, a hub for templates and online training designed to improve your business systems. Jordan is adamant about running her business by the numbers. Not only is her pricing strategy intentional and precise, she's also clear on the metrics that have shaped the way she offers her service. When Jordan notices a trend and the numbers prove it out, you can be sure she's going to make an adjustment. In this interview, Jordan and I talk about how her business model evolved into VIP weekend offerings, how her pricing strategy has evolved along with it, and the numbers-driven marketing she does to support the model. Now, have you made an important decision in your business because you got real with the numbers? Have you discovered a new opportunity right under your nose when you examined your traffic profit margin or conversion rate? We want to hear about it. Share your story on Instagram and tag me at Tara underscore McMullen and use the hashtag #ExploreWhatWorks. what works. Now let's find out what works for Jordan Gill. Jordan Gill, welcome to what works. Thank you for joining me today. I am so honored to be here, Tara. Thanks so much. Absolutely. Okay, so let's start off with the unique way that you work with your
0: clients. So what are they coming to you for and how do you deliver that service? Absolutely. So I run a business operations firm. And what that really is, is just how you run your business on the daily. What are you doing on the daily to make sure that your business is still alive and has a pulse, right? So I tend to work with seasonal business owners um, in three different areas. So really streamlining their signature service of, of either of their wedding planners or LSAT tutors or whoever they are. And then I look into, they don't call themselves an agency, which is funny because it is, but um, I then look into how they train the coaches underneath them or the designers underneath them or the planners underneath them and streamline that process as well. So it's not only looking at you know automating and all of that you know, juicy system stuff, but it's also the delegating portion where how are you going to still have the level of excellence that you provide when you deliver the service? And how do you pass that on to your actual, again, coaches or planners or trainers? So that is what I do um, with business owners. And the way that I do it is through a VIP weekend um, that is three days where Folks come down to Dallas, Texas, where I'm based, and I do sometimes travel for them. Um, I did have a client in Vancouver whose everything was on his desktop, which was a fascinating <laughs> experience in and of itself. But uh, majority of people come down to Dallas, which actually works out because people love coming down to Texas and experiencing yeah. all of our glory. Uh, so I, I have them down here. I put them up in a really awesome hotel. We have great food and. I know that systems is a topic that a lot of people are scared of, hate, dread, are overwhelmed by, enter all the other negative associations. And so I want to change the way that systems can be done in my industry. And, you know, majority of people think, oh my gosh, this is going to be like a 90 day process with a bunch of emails back and forth. And I'm just, I'm never going to do it. And I wanted to say, no, like I... I know we can knock all this stuff out in a weekend, so let's just do it that way. That's awesome.
1: (laughs) I want to learn more about sort of the genesis of this idea because you made it sound very simple that you went from deciding to disrupt your industry and disrupt the way people think about systems to creating a VIP weekend. And I want to unpack that a little (laughs) bit more. Um, But first, I'm intrigued by the fact that you said you work with seasonal business owners. How did you narrow in on that kind of ideal client?
0: Yeah. So it's funny. It kind of found me. I was trying to find a, I guess, correlation in who was already coming to me. And so... I looked at, okay, I've got uh, personal trainers and wedding planners and interior designers and stuff like that. And what's funny is both the personal trainers and the interior designers, I wouldn't say were seasonal business owners. However, for personal trainers specifically – you know they kind of look at their business as a seasonal business yeah. because as you and I know come January everybody's wanting to be you know hot and whatever losing all the weight and then there's a lull and then there's beach body season and everybody wants to look good for the beach in the summer and then there's a lull into the winter so it it is naturally a seasonal business in the sense of how people Naturally, think of when they want to work out and and get fit. And so, pers- some personal trainers that came to me were saying they really wanted to leverage their downtime or their off peak season. And it was always interesting to me that they use that languaging, even with a business that we don't, we wouldn't necessarily. I guess, consider a seasonal business because people can work out whenever, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, however, they see it as, or the ones that have come to me anyway, have found, again, this kind of natural ebbs and flows in their actual business season. So I just, I really looked at who was coming to me and was like, I'm working with seasonal business owners. I'm not working really with people who, seasonal service-based business owners, who, you know, they have a, a very distinct busy season and a very distinct off season. And like I mentioned, an LSAT tutor. So there's a, a universal LSAT that covers about 32 states. And she came to me and she has two different administrations is what she calls them. And one is in February and one is in July. And so then she has, again, ebbs and flows of when she has to do sales and when she can you know, hire her next coaches for the next administration and get new students and all of that stuff. And I thought that was very interesting. And so I did market research because I'm a total market research nerd. And I did about 10 different calls across 10 different industries that all have seasonal type uh, twists to them. Mm -hmm. And they all were saying, no one talks to us. The only thing that coaches have told me is to, you know, in the off season, teach other wedding planners, how to be wedding planners and create a course. And that's what I should do. And that's not what I want to (laughs) do. So no, they felt like people didn't talk to them the way that they wanted to be talked to. And they didn't have solutions for them that supported how they wanted to run their business. They liked the fact that there was a natural off season and, so I actually just kind of leveraged that um, for myself and said, hey, you already have an off season. I know you're going to go um, to celebrate for a month and go travel somewhere because that's definitely something that my people are uh, are totally into. Let's also just like put a weekend on the calendar. You can come in. It, it's going to feel very like I, I call myself kind of like your you're super cool system's best friend. Like that's the vibe that I kind of get off give off. And so they come in for the weekend and we knock it out. And that gives them more time in their off season to, you know, take time off to hire more people for the next round of season. Cause they all also have a very unique hiring and onboarding process mm. because they have to onboard and train people every single year versus other businesses who again you just hire somebody and they just continue to work for you. So it was it was a very specific niche that started out coming to me but then I kind of really dug deep into it and it was really fascinating from a systems perspective.
1: Yeah, I think, you know, we think about finding your niche as something that's so marketing related. Um, But I recently did an interview with a photographer who has a very specific niche as well. And we ended up talking way more about how that impacted her business operations than we Mm -hmm. did how it impacted her marketing. And I love that you are saying exactly the same thing, that this allows you to really figure out how to run your business in a different way, in a more innovative way, in a way that's more natural and helpful to your clients in addition to yourself um, than having just sort of like, uh, yeah, I I help any small business owner who has a systems problem fix their systems. Exactly. That's brilliant. I love it. Um, Okay, let's get back then to how you came up with this idea of working with people on a a three-day uh, VIP weekend you mentioned yeah. that your goal has really been to reshape the way people think about systems and business operations yep. and um how they approach that and how much they kind of integrate that into the way they work on a daily basis and you know that you've found the best way to do that is in a three day weekend. Can you kind of walk us through making that leap b- uh, between discovering what your mission is and then turning that into the offer that you have.
0: Absolutely. So kind of going into my mission and, and, also touching a little bit on what my strengths are. Uh, I'm a big assessment junkie, so don't get me started on that, that path. But we're just gonna, we're gonna stick with strength finders for now. Uh, and my number it used to be my number one strength, and now it's number number four, but it's still pretty high up there uh, is focus. And that is something that I've kept in mind in all of the different offerings that I've had in my business, is I am not great ongoing. You do not want me on your team. You do not want me doing maintenance. Like don't do it. Uh, (laughs) it's not my strong suit. And I somewhat felt bad about it because again, in the industry, when you think of ops people, so you might think of, you know, virtual assistants or online business managers or project managers and you hire them and they keep being on your team forever. And I was like, well, I don't really feel like I do the best in that way. And it felt kind of like an identity crisis. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, but I really then said, okay, let's actually look at how you have used focus in your life. And then, how can I then translate that into business and in my offerings? And one way that I can best visually describe what <laughs> this focus really looks like is when I was back in college, I. You know, it's like 16 weeks or something in a semester. And I would get the syllabus on day one. I would get all of the assignments or as many as possible in the first two weeks of the semester. And then I would just drip out the, the homework or whatever else as the semester rolled on. It's what you call a precrastinator. For um, for those of you who want to totally nerd out on that and go Google it. Uh, yes, we exist. There's very few of us. However, that is how I operate. I don't like deadlines. Deadlines freak me out. I want to get things done as soon as possible. So again, it's a very odd quirk, but I recognized it and said, okay, if that's the case, how can I shape my my offerings to support that. And so if I need short bursts of focus and energy to do my best work, what does that look like? And for about a year and a half, I did some four hour intensives and those were $3,000. And it scared me because I, that's what I felt like I should get. And at the same time, I didn't see anybody else, you know, Partners in law firms don't get paid as much as right. that. Like that was like seven hundred and fifty an hour. Uh, so I was like, well, let's let's just try it. Let's play it out for a little bit. And you know, there the first month, you know, I got a few, and then the second month was like zero. And I was like, oh my gosh, this was a terrible idea. I'm never doing this again. I should just follow what everybody else is doing. And then the third month it picked back up again, and fourth month, and I really focused on just getting eight four hour intensives every single month and that would get me to about a 24k month and it was very simple i didn't overcomplicate it and that was what i was doing so did that for about a year and a half and then i kind of started to see a trend and this is where metrics come in i saw a trend of so my past clients could get additional hours of mine at a discounted rate um because I already know their business. And so I don't really have to play catch up. Mm -hmm. And so I noticed about 40% of the people who did a four hour intensive with me wanted more hours and not necessarily about the same system, but about additional systems. So for the four hour intensive, maybe we would set up their entire client onboarding system or process. And then, I don't know, they wanted to go and, and look at hiring or onboarding or their editorial process. And so then they would, they would do another three hour intensive or two hour intensive for much cheaper than the, the original price. And I just noticed about 40% of people were doing that. And I was like, well, how would it look if I could actually touch more of their systems and, and processes in their business at one time? So that's when I was like, okay, let me try this other um, option of the VIP weekend and doing three days. And I'd heard about VIP weekends from a bunch of coaches and consultants and th- that sort of arena. And I didn't really hear it at all in the operations industry and space. So I was like, well, I'm just going to keep trailblazing over here. <laughs> so I uh, – sometimes – it's funny. I, I'm i such a trailblazer, and sometimes I get frustrated that I can't follow someone else's system. But if there was a system, I wouldn't follow right. it. So there's that. Um, and I realized what are the reasons that someone would want to do a VIP weekend? Number one is speed. So – again the traditional way of having operations people in your business is it takes 2 to 3 months to set it up and it takes forever and there's calls there's emails versus one weekend knock it out and move on with your life um the second thing is again the emailing thing having to go back and forth for 3 months about building a process that you don't even want to think about is torture and so that is something that I definitely press on when it comes to the sales process because my VIP weekends are $5,000 we'll, and we can talk about the breakdown of that. Um, and the biggest thing is like, hey, listen, you can either go hire somebody else who's much less expensive. However, you are going to have to be emailing back and forth for several months. Mm-hmm. You can just pay me once get in here. We'll have some great food because I'm a total foodie. Knock out these systems and then we don't have to go back and forth at all um, and you're you're set to go. So that is a very big selling point. And then third is really the experience. A lot of these people have never done a VIP weekend before, but it intrigues them. Um, And they're like, oh, like, you know, I got to stay at a swanky hotel in Dallas and we get to have really good food and all of those things. And For something like systems that traditionally sounds like nails on a chalkboard is now this like glitzy, fun, like savvy weekend. It's like, uh, that sounds way more fun than staying in my home office and getting frustrated at (laughs) back and forth emails and wanting to chuck my keyboard out the window. Um, And so I, I really play on those three areas as why you would want to do a VIP weekend with me versus the alternative of of again a 90 day experience with somebody else who may be cheaper.
1: Yeah, that makes complete sense to me. Sense to me and I love that you took inspiration from other industries and applied it in what essentially then became a blue ocean for you. Yep. Um yep. I think way more people need to break out of their industry bubbles and stop asking how other people run businesses like theirs and start asking how do other people or how do people in other industries run businesses that mine could be like, I like, I freaking love that question. And I love this example of what is possible when you think that way. Was there any uh, one or any business in particular who had a VIP offer that really
0: inspired you in those other industries? Um, not one in particular. However, I would just see different sales pages for, you know, a lot of the coaches who have like the Eiffel Tower in the background Mm -hmm. and they're like, come to Paris and spend $15,000 with me and we'll do all these things. And I was like, wow, like that's interesting. And like, uh, what would that look like? And what would the equivalent be for me? And my thing is, I'm not trying to travel a ton for VIP weekends because I do travel for events a lot, which mm-hmm. is part of my marketing. Uh, so I was like, well, I don't really want to like do it in some place that I have to keep traveling to. I would rather it just be in my hometown and be able to service it that way. So it was just a combination of seeing, again, a bunch – it wasn't a person in particular, but just – I've seen sales pages for these type of offers um, of like seven figure business owners. Like I know Allie Brown has one, I think mm-hmm. in Hawaii or something. Um, but it really was just seeing a couple different ones to be like, okay, I'm noticing that it's possible in this industry. What can that what can that look like in mine? I love that. Okay. Let's talk about pricing
1: Um, because you've mentioned numbers a couple of times now um, and you, you started off by saying, okay, this four hour intensive, I felt like it should be (laughs) (laughs) $3,000. And, you know, I think a lot of times that's where we start with pricing, but then our strategies evolve. Um, So you told us how you priced it at the beginner or how that initial offer was priced. Um, What, what kind of, what was your justification for that pricing? Like what, why did you feel it was, it should be $3,000?
0: Yeah. So, uh, a lot of people who I guess have known me for a while know that I've worked behind the scenes of a lot of seven and eight figure business owners. So I've done a lot of work on people's teams. Um, and so like the, the Melanie Duncans, the Hillary Rushford, Clarence Soldo, a lot of folks that are in the seven, eight figure realm. And I, I know a lot. And I'm very savvy with the online marketing arena and how it works. And so I believe that that particular specialty versus somebody maybe coming from corporate, not that it's any less, it's just a different skill set. I have specifically been educated from the age of 23 to literally understand this online business world and I don't even understand corporate. I was joking with friends the other day cuz they were using language I didn't understand that is part of like the corporate lingo, but I at 23, I was the second in command of an eight-figure business. Um wow. and so I have a lot of expertise in this particular again online marketing industry and I felt like that was I guess justifiable at that price because you're getting somebody who's who knows how to run businesses and run them effectively at a very uh, high revenue point. Um, and not a lot of people have that particular skill set. And that made me unique in a lot of ways. And so, you know, five years later, I'm 28 now. And I, I again, I've been able to just soak in a lot of knowledge that I find is unique to me versus again, you, you take, and I'm not discrediting this at all, at all. Uh, but just taking courses to learn, you know, active campaign or to learn how to launch. I did launches. Like I was in the trenches of launches that would had, you know, ad spends of 250,000 and all of that stuff. And I think, you know, I don't, mention that very often funny enough um however in one-on-one conversations if people are asking you know what my background is then then I'm definitely happy to share it however I don't I'm not too much of a name dropper person uh so I've but five years later people are like okay you need to actually say <laughs> people's names I'm like no uh but I, I because I think it's that weird um you want to stand on your own laurels or you want to stand on like the mm-hmm. fact that I'm good enough without having to name drop. However, I think it is important for people to understand why I have that high of a price point and why I believe I've been able to, to have the high price point and have people pay me for it um, and and don't have hesitation because, uh, again, I think a lot of people are in, in the op space. Haven't had the experience of of working with those higher revenue business points at such an intimate level. So that's really the core of of where I said, "Hey, I, I know a lot," uh, but it also was who I was targeting was around uh, business revenues between 300k and and 3 million. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, what is a semi no brainer price? What is a way that I can kind of place myself because a lot of these people had a VA on their team or have an OBM or have a project manager. What makes me different than them? Mm. And a lot of times it's that I am a very holistic systems person versus somebody who's an OBM or a VA, VA or a project manager, a lot of times I need some direction and um, maybe not so much project managers, but OBMs and VAs need a little bit more direction and a little bit more strategy of the operations than somebody who is a project manager or an operations consultant like I am, where you know you don't need to keep me up to speed on on what you need i've seen enough businesses and i've worked in enough businesses to know what it is you need and i've been in every piece of software i feel like known to mankind and i understand the the nuances and can again deliver that strategy piece versus just the implementation so i do both during the weekend so that way it's we're looking at your strategy of how you're running your business and then we also implement a new and better way got it You'll
1: hear how Jordan went from four-hour intensives to full-on VIP weekends after the break. But first, a word from our What Works partners. What Works is brought to you by Mighty Networks. Mighty Networks unlocks your ability to sell experiences, relationships, and expertise in one place with its all-in-one platform. Instead of wrestling with a whole host of apps and services to turn your content, ideas, or movement into a thriving business, Mighty Networks finally brings it all together in one place. You can create articles, online courses, and events, organize your community into groups, host an online chat, and connect with beautiful profiles. Plus, you can track your stats, manage payments, and maintain your own customer information right inside the platform. We use Mighty Networks to power the What Works Network. We share exclusive content, interact with members using questions and polls, host events like our upcoming virtual conference, and accept membership fees. Mighty Networks has made our whole business tidier. Start growing your business all in one place. Go to MightyNetworks.com to get started. Mighty Networks is the easiest way to take your business to the next. What Works is also brought to you by the What Works Network. Are you craving more grown-up talk about running a small business? The What Works Network is where small business owners like you talk shop without the drama, hype, or get-rich-quick promises. This week, the community talked about what we do next if a piece of content went viral. We also discussed a possible deal-breaker change in a popular video conferencing tool, and we had a great conversation about the place of experience and advice in our lives and work. Every day, we talk candidly about the nitty-gritty details of marketing, sales, systems, pricing, copywriting, social media, and more. Plus, we host monthly events like our Flash Masterminds, Insider Hours, and Community Roundtables, so you can talk with people who get it about the business topics that matter the most to you. We'll be opening the What Works Network to new members soon. Go to explorewhatworks.com slash network to sign up to be notified when we do. Can you walk us through... um, kind of how your pricing strategy or your approach to pricing has evolved and then, and specifically like the metrics and the financials that you're basing your current pricing strategy on.
0: Yeah, so it shifted a little bit, obviously going from four hours to uh, about two and a half days technically is, um, you know, only a $2,000 difference. And so I I realized that, um, there wasn't anything wrong with having the $3,000 for four hours. However, I felt like, and this may sound strange or weird and, and whatever, but I didn't want to attach it to hours. Mm-hmm. Because again, in the ops industry, it's all about the hours. How many hours am I going to get from my VA? How many hours am I going to get from OBM? And if I was so concerned about it, then I knew I wouldn't be able to be as present during the VIP weekends as I wanted to. Like, it pretty much was, like, what do I feel like I need to be paid to, like, feel good about taking two and a half days with this person? Um, and so I, I started out looking at, you know, how much is the hotel? How much am I expecting to spend around food, like, gifts, gas in my car, all the different um of areas and um actually I'm able to host people at my house um so instead of they'll definitely stay at a hotel but they'll come here and I've got a whiteboard and I've got uh markers and all of that stuff so we don't have to rent a, a uh I guess a co-working space mm-hmm. or anything like that so that was costs that I could uh, I guess save so hotel was around 140 um, so for two nights, and then because um, I get a really good discount with Hilton, I was uh, gonna food, say. yeah, <laughs> I get a very good discount. Um, thank you to the family who work for Hilton. Uh, so food, um, I get around it's around four hundred. Sometimes honestly, it's like more around two hundred. Some people just they're like, I just want to go to like a taco joint, and I'm like, okay, <laughs> and we tailor it really to what they want. Um so if they want good southern food, we go to southern food. If they want sushi, we go to sushi. So I tailor again the VIP weekends to them, right? Mm-hmm. Because they are here. I'm not going to force them to go to a Mexican restaurant if what they're craving is Thai. So food is around 400, but I would say it usually is under that. Um, gas like is about 30 bucks back and forth to the airport, back and forth to the hotel and restaurants. And then I usually get a gift between like 50 to hundred dollars um, in some way, shape or form. And again, I tailor that to the person. Um, so like all in, like looking at everything, uh it's like essentially around six hundred and seventy ish dollars um and so then again that means that i'm basically taking well, not taking home. I do pay taxes uh but it's around four thousand dollars, and so I looked at that and said, okay, across again two and a half days. The first day as far as the agenda is they get in around sometime around noon and then we work for about six hours, we eat dinner, go to bed. So then the second day for Saturday, we get together at nine and again we work until sixious with a lunch and then a dinner afterwards. So you know that's another eight to nine-ish hours. And then um, on Sunday we work, get together at nine and they usually have a flight sometime around two or three. Mm. It's when they leave to go to their flight. And so that's another four or five ish hours kind of depending um with lunch in there. So overall again, it's a little under twenty hours. Um, but I I don't take into account that pricing as far as like, okay, now four thousand divided by two hundred mm-hmm. or twenty, um, and what that looks like. But I am just aware of, you know, like I'm I'm making sure that I'm not overworking myself also during the weekend. I want to have good energy. I want to be present and all that sort of stuff. So I did look at expenses. I did look at how many hours would be in the weekend, but I I didn't want to be – because then, you know, on the weekend it's like, oh, well, we're approaching, you know, six hours on Friday. Like, should I keep working since we need to work or should I mm-hmm. – you know, I didn't – it felt very – transactional at that point. And so I said, you know what, I'm I'm not going to be attached to how many hours I just I want to get the work done. I want them to have a good time. And that's what's important. I love that. Um, How
1: has your capacity for clients changed uh, since you've moved
0: away from the four hour intensive and into the VIP weekends? Totally. So I do around two VIP weekends a month. And that basically me, well, I mean, that brings me to basically six figures, a little over six figures, mm-hmm. um, just with that one, um, offering and the other offering that has somewhat, um, helped with then making up for the additional income that I would have had had I kept doing the eight, uh, four hour intensives is I have a workflow template shop for businesses that are mainly around like 100K and under, Mm -hmm. and those range from 197 to 997, and that was a way for it to be a lot more uh, passive and not in the way of like I'm not doing anything Mm -hmm. because that is a (laughs) lie. Uh, But in the sense of I don't have to be the one implementing, that's what I mean by passive. So um, I started doing that in January, and um, it's actually a really – it's a completely different concept, but I essentially bring together other operations people who are VAs, OBMs, and project managers, and they actually create the courses for inside of my uh, my workflow template shop, and all I do is market them. So I'm in charge of doing the Facebook ads. I'm in charge of getting affiliates. I'm in charge of that sort of stuff, and uh, that's been a really fun project. We've been, whatever, I guess a few months down the line at this point, um, and that essentially fills in the, the other gap of, you know, the difference between, cause you know, I'm, I'm cool not having a million dollar business. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that, you know, the pressure of everyone else wanting a million dollar business doesn't necessarily, I guess, give me direction in mine I, I'm really comfortable making around 20 to 30 thousand a month. I'm really happy with that. I feel like energetically, that is the extent at which I want to have my business at. And again, once you know the template shop continues to grow and and whatnot, then you know potentially I won't do the VIP weekends anymore. But at this point, it still is a good way for me to uh, do one on one client work, which I love. But it also doesn't take up, you know, eight four hour intensives would take up a lot more time than obviously my two my two VIP um, weekends.
1: Yeah. I love how you've broken that up um, to create a stream of revenue that you know is going to pay all of your bills and more and created the space for you to, you know, bring in more revenue that you can either kind of take or leave. But obviously, yep. you're going to take it <laughs> and you're going to grow it, <laughs> um, yeah. but it's not you're not dependent on that passive income. And I just exactly. I love businesses that are kind of hybridized like that, especially at the beginning of uh, of a more passive segment of business, because you need to yeah. be able to say my bills don't depend on me selling five different templates this month or whatever it might be. Like you need, I think you need to have that. So, so, so smart. Let's talk about the marketing piece a little bit before we start to wrap up here, because you told me that you're as numbers driven with marketing as you are with pricing. Uh, So what does your marketing system look like for the VIP weekends and what kind of metrics are you tracking in that process? Yes. So
0: I, there's kind of two, two areas that I focus on. One is events. So attending events, and I'll get a little into that and then guest podcasting. So doing podcasts like this, and that's been a combination (laughs) of market research as well as again, understanding my strengths and how, how best I warm up leads and Right now, um, I go to, I will say I have slowed down my event going exponentially. However, I went to about 32 events in 2017. Wow. Uh, I don't suggest other people do that. <laughs> However, uh, I I was very, and it was very intentional event going. So it wasn't just like willy nilly. I was going to events that had business coaches, marketing coaches, and social media coaches who would be good referrals for, at the time, my four-hour intensives, and now it's into my VIP weekends. So I would say, gosh, 60% of my VIP weekends come from referrals. And so the rest of it, again, just kind of comes from guest podcasting um, and and whatnot. But the the events I went to, you know, I was very strategic. I went to a lot of not completely local. Dallas has some great events, um, had some great events that year, like ClickFunnels and LaunchCon and a few others. But I also go down to Austin for quite a few, which is just a drive. So I'm not having to put out on flight costs. I would go to a lot of cities where I had friends that I could stay at their place. So I don't have hotel costs. I would use, I'm a bit of a travel travel hacker. So like Chris Guillebeau, shout out there. (laughs) Um, And I would use my Southwest credit card for expenses and then obviously have points for flights. So I was pretty ninja and pretty lean on how much I actually, like, cash money I was spending on events. Um, Because, again, if, you know, people with Facebook ads, you know, how much are you spending on Facebook ads to acquire a customer? I had to use that same philosophy in events. So instead of spending money on Facebook ads or whatever else I could spend money on, I was like, I would rather go to events, be very intentional, spend that whatever however much money on an event, uh, 300 to 500 max really tickets, I would always be on the wait list so I could get the cheapest early birdest price mm-hmm. ever. And, um, and again, just kind of be pretty, pretty stealth mode on a, on a lot of areas. And when I went to these events, another, I guess, tactic or whatever that I would do is create little dinners or create Um, or host of little mini events on the off hours. So if the events were in Dallas, I would host people at my house and um, have like desserts catered in and, and drinks and just have people here. And I would curate those groups through looking at the Facebook group of the event prior to. So it was, it was, when I say intentional, it was like really intentional. So, and that's how, again, I've just nurtured those referral relationships and, for VIP weekends my referrals get a $500 kickback. Mm. Um, so that was something that was important to me as well because it's you know it's great to to get referrals and be nice and sweet but people like money and that's fine. So I made it a point to say, "Hey, I know you're already having the conversations with the with your clients about how crazy their business back end is. How about you just send them to me versus having to annoyingly respond back with just total disgust about talking about active campaign or talking about Dubsado or whatever. Just send them to me. I'll give you five hundred dollars and I will take care of them. And that's that's honestly how my business has grown is through building those relationships.
1: That's incredible. And what are you doing right now to keep those kind of referrals coming aside from the the referral kickback?
0: Yeah. So I definitely um, check in right around like a quarterly basis with everybody Mm -hmm. um, just so that I stay top of mind. And um, if I see, you know, on Instagram or something that they're celebrating getting married or they're celebrating a baby or they've just had three years in business, then I will intentionally, you know, send little gifts or send a card Or stuff like that. So again, I just stay top of mind as much as possible. And I want to nurture those relationships as much as possible. And you know, I'll send clients over to them. Some clients of mine don't have um, the business coaches or marketing coaches. And so, you know, it goes a little bit of both ways. And I've just found that it's such, uh, you know, it's not only a need that their clients need, however, business coaches. And marketing coaches don't want to talk about the systems and operations either. So I'm actually fulfilling a pain point of them that mm. they have. So it's very obvious when they want to send somebody to me because they're like, I don't want to talk about this. Oh, yeah, I have Jordan. I don't have to talk about this. So <laughs> um, so it, it's it's looking at not only the problems of your clients, but also the problems of your referral partners and how your offer helps relieve them of something that they don't like.
1: Yeah, so, so, so smart. And I love that we've had this whole conversation about pricing and marketing metrics and all these different ways we can look at the numbers. And we're not here talking about ad spend or conversion rates or nope. any of those, those numbers that I think people are a little afraid that they should be looking at it's like (laughs) no there's oh there's all these numbers we can be looking at in our businesses so many and I think the ones that you've highlighted here are just uh, well one they're so smart and two they're going to be so helpful for people uh Jordan what are you really excited about coming up uh in your business are there any big projects you're working on anything you're rolling out or just something that kind of on a day-to-day basis is really lighting you up
0: yeah, so uh, when this episode is going to be out, um, I'm actually doing a live content series called Software Wars, mm-hmm. and which I'm like, I'm so freaking excited about. But it's essentially a um, every Wednesday of May, there's going to be a a battle. So there's Asana versus like the classic battles of software that again, all of you business coaches and marketing coaches are like wanting to you know just plug your ears on, but Asana and Trello and Acuity and Calendly and Upsado and HoneyBook, all these, these software that every single Facebook group, you go in there and it's like, which one should I get? And while I understand why you're asking and like, I just want to be able to settle all of these once and for all (laughs) and, um, showcase the differences, highlight, you know, if you're this kind of person, this software would make sense for you and whatever else. And so I'm actually bringing together two teams of three. So there's three people on Team Asana and three people on Team Trello. And they are battling, in quotations, about why they believe their software is the best. And there's different categories and they have to submit um little screenshot tutorials that we're also going to show during the live production of what it actually looks like to put together this quick hack or, or time saver. And I'm really excited about it because I think that it is something that people can get behind. People love gamification. I love competition. All of these things just wrapped up into one. So that's like the big thing that I'm thinking of. And that's going to, again, just drive traffic to our workflow template shop and is, is a marketing uh, mission because no matter which software wins, again, in quotations, we have workflows for both of them. So go buy them. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. I absolutely love it. I
1: feel like we could be best friends. Jordan Gill, thank you so <laughs> oh <my> much <laughs> for this conversation and a look inside what's working in your business today.
0: Yes. Thank you so much, Tara. It was a blast.
1: Find out more about Jordan Gill at systemssavedme.com. This episode was produced by Sean McMullen. It was edited by Marty Seafelt. Our theme music is by The Shrugs. Find over 200 more candid conversations with small business owners at explorewhatworks.com.